Blog Talk Radio. on boats, mega yachts, and even military and commercial vessels. Today, Todd and I are going to talk about how Marine Group got its start, how it expanded into the super yacht market, and what its future plans are. So let's get started. Todd, thanks for joining us today. Good morning. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. You know, most people in the marine industry have pretty interesting stories as to how they got involved in boating. So what's your story? What's your background? Well, I grew up here on the, on the water in San Diego. My family boated uh, both locally and in uh, Baja and northern, um, northern Mexico and South America. Uh, I got my start professionally uh, working for a passenger vessel company here in San Diego called San Diego Harbor Excursion, uh, who, is, who is owned by the same people that own the Marine Group, our sister company, and I started there sweeping the floors in the warehouse and eventually worked my way up uh, <clears throat> to being a deckhand on the boat and then eventually as a captain, and then I uh, took a break and went away to college to the Merchant Marine Academy, where I went, then went to sea as a deck officer for a couple of years and uh, found my way back to San Diego Harbor Excursion and uh, ran that company for a few years and then uh, came down here to get into the boatyard business. Okay, great. So what made you decide to make that switch from the, you know, the more commercial aspect to the pleasure aspect? Well, my heart really was in yachting. Uh, that's what I grew up doing. That's what I knew. That's what I enjoyed the most. And and what I found is that there was a, a there was a bit of a, a lack of knowledge in the yachting industry. And in that here you had this this immense commercial market um, where you had lots and lots of skilled people, but very few of those people had the ability to translate the commercial skills into the yachting world. And that was something that that I saw a need for. And uh, and that was really my main drive to to get back into the yachting business. Okay, great. Now, Marine Group Boatworks was actually formed from another yard. So why don't you give us a history of that yard and how the reinvention took place to create Marine Group? That's great. See, uh, we, we, we started out our life as South Bay Boatyard, and South Bay Boatyard was, uh, was here and had been here since the early 80s. And quite frankly, it always struggled. Um, it, uh, it struggled due to uh, frequent management changes, lack of equipment. Um, it wasn't really, quite honestly, the centerpiece of the family of companies that it was that it was part of. And when I was running Harbor Excursion, I used to bring the boats down here to work on them, and I'd bring them to South Bay Boatyard, and quite frankly, was unhappy with the service. And I thought, this is such a tremendous facility. The need for super yacht capacity on the West Coast is literally growing by the day. Uh, why don't we make something of this? So we, we came up with a plan, and we started this plan, I'd say, in about 2002. And the idea was that to completely tear the facility down, reinvent it, and not only reinvent the facility physically, but reinvent the corporate culture that we had here and become a truly customer service-oriented operation, so what we did is we one day we laid off all but three employees, um, we and we kept people that had the same ideals and the same focus on customer service that we knew it was going to take. 
Uh, we then took on a $7 million renovation where we flattened the whole place and uh, rebuilt it um, with, with featuring the 660-ton travel lift, which at the time was the largest travel lift in the country. And um, we thought we would give it a go. And uh, we opened in 2007, and, uh, and we're, we've been booked solid ever since. So and to, to make a long story even longer, that's, that's sort of how we made it happen. Right, right. Now, you know, you were talking a lot about customer service and um, how that's key, and obviously it is for any business, but particularly in, um, in the super yacht business. But I'm, I'm curious as to how you got that message out to the mega yacht community in the early days, because when people think about refit yards, they, they, you know, they tend to think about Florida maybe, or they'll think about um, Europe, and the West Coast of the United States really isn't top of mind. So how did you get the word out to these people that you were there and that you were more than ready to service whatever their needs were? Well, that's a good question. You know, the, the Megiot business is a worldwide market, and marketing to them is very difficult, both logistically and cost-wise. We were a small business. Um, we were effectively a mom-and-pop shop, and we, we tried some marketing campaigns. We looked at some of the top-name magazines, and we thought, Wow, what's it? You know, we we looked at what the advertising rates were, and we just said, you know, this isn't going to work. So we kind of took an old school approach, and we we had a couple people working for us who had been crew members on boats. They weren't, you know, management company types or people that were well connected per se. And as what we did is we just started getting boats in here, and we turned the boats around as quickly as we could, and we did the best possible work we could do. And we let the word spread. And then what we said is when the boat left, we said, if you're happy with your experience, go down to the dock and tell anybody that will listen to you. And, <laughs> right. and that was our marketing campaign in a nutshell, and, and it was all word of mouth. And, and that's how we did it, and um, that's quite, quite frankly how we continue to do it. And we find it's our biggest advocate. Every time we sign up a new boat, we ask, you know, what made you want to come to the Marine Group? And the answer is always the same. Well, I talked to my buddy on blah, 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 and he said you guys were great. You looked after the crew well. The boat got done on time, and the quality was there. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, that's all any captain or engineer or management company really wants to see is that, you know, in this, in this market, the owner is more than happy to pay the bill. He's more than happy to pay for the work, but the expectation of schedule and quality cannot waver. Right, right. You know, why don't you walk us through the process of, of how you deal with the owners and how you deal with the crew. Is it the owners who are approaching you about the project first, or is it really the, you know, say a captain or an overall project manager? I would say 90% of the time it's the, it's the captain or, or a project manager who's working with the captain. Um, we, we do interact with owners. Um, you know, our facility being a million square feet and, and operating three independent travelers, we work all different size boats. Uh, we work boats from from 10 meters up to you know up to 60 meters, um, and is is what we found is that in San Diego on the West Coast it's not uncommon for a small boat owner what what I'll call you know the the 20 meter owner who has now gone to a 40 meter boat, and so in those cases we'll interact with the owner because they've been an existing customer of ours. But normally the process is we'll be contacted by a captain. He'll, um, we ask if he has a scope of work, um, and we, we get a hold of that scope of work. We'll put together some initial cost estimates. Uh, we'll always endeavor to visit the boat if it's accessible, regardless of where it is in the world. 
you know, we give him those initial numbers. If they look good, we'll uh, we'll go visit the boat, finalize his requirements, and we try to work as many of the jobs on a fixed firm base, fixed firm price basis as we can. We find that that's cleaner and easier for everybody. Uh, and then um, we'll refine that scope of work as time goes on as the boat arrives, and that, that's generally our process. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, are those those fixed prices, are those things that you find the um, the owners and the project managers are really shopping around for, or are there other elements also that they're using in their evaluation when they're looking at you compared to other facilities along the West Coast? Well, I think your ability to deliver a quality product on time definitely comes into the equation. Um, you know, if you're if you're cost effective, that's great. But if you can't deliver the product on time, you're of no you're of no value. Right. So right. what you need to do is is what we call it. And, you know, we do some government commercial work, and they in that world they use a term called best value determination. Is that we're not always the cheapest, um, but we we do stand up to our commitments. And you know, one thing we always say around here is that we say what we do and we do what we say. Mm-hmm. And and that's very important. And what we find is that has tremendous value. Right. And, you know, the fact that you actually do those military projects, too, I think bodes well in your favor from the standpoint of anybody who has experience in the military world. Um, you know, even if they don't, they can pretty much gather that the military would not be terribly understanding if a project were not on time and not on budget. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Uh, all the work we do for the military is fixed price, and we cannot be late, especially in today's day and age, where the sector of vessels that we work on for the military are all special forces. Um, they're all depo- what they call deployable vessels, and that these are being used in the in the war in the Persian Gulf and are constantly rotating in and out. So we cannot be late. It's our job to get, you know, excellent equipment to the front lines as soon as we can and make sure that we're meeting these rotation dates. Um, so we're, we're, very, we're very comfortable in that environment. And, you know, a lot of people question the ability to jump between the military and the yachts. And, and for us, we found that not only is it not difficult to jump between the two, but they truly complement each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially on the larger yachts, having that military, it allows uh, that military business. It allows us to maintain a much larger workforce than a typical repair yard would. Um, we've got trades that that most yacht yards don't have, and we have them on hand and readily accessible. And we have accessibility to technology and equipment and materials that that you know aren't necessarily traditional in yachts. And many times we've integrated them into the yachting world. You know that raises an interesting point too, because I was thinking. Um from the standpoint of the technology, there's probably also a level of complexity involved in the military and commercial projects that is perhaps akin to a level of complexity in the larger super yachts too, because there as so many people say, you know, there there are these floating resorts, you know, they're they're so complex and there's so many different systems that it's a lot different than working on, say, you know, a, a thirty meter or a forty meter boat. Absolutely. They're, they, they are complex, and what it does, what the government work does, is it requires you to follow very specific work instructions. And that is what, uh, what we find really bodes well for us. If, if, you know, we become very process-oriented, and uh, we get onto the yacht, and it's, and it's not the old days where the electrician just opens up the junction box and says, well, let me take a look in here and see what's here. Our electrician would walk on board and say, "Can I see a copy of your? Uh, can I see the manual for this part, or can I see a wiring diagram before I just tear into this thing?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that lends itself very well, especially to the, the vessel automation systems. Right, right. Let's talk about some of the specific yachts that have actually been at the facility over the past year or so. I know you've had some some pretty high-profile um, 
motor yachts, um, but you've also had some high-profile um, sailing yachts, and, and it seems, you know, coincidentally, this year was the year of the Perini. You know, there were so many Perini Navis um, at your facility over the past couple of months. Um, you know, what are some of those that have been there, and, and what's the type of work that you've been performing on them? Yeah, that was a wonderful year for Perini. At uh, one point, we actually had three of them in the yard at one time. Uh, the uh, the boats that we've had is we did Andromeda Ladea was was our first one, um, then we did the new Tamsin, uh, which uh, which actually just came back for its second visit. We did uh, Morning Glory, uh, and then we did Rose Hardy. And these were all 56 to 60 meter boats. Um, what we uh, what we've learned from these is that not only are they just beautiful yachts and and a pleasure to work on. Uh, the sailing yacht crews are are true seamen. They really you know, these boats do tens of thousands of miles, and that's probably the biggest difference between the motor yachts and the sailing yachts we see is the miles they do. Um, these boats are they. I don't know if it's the type of owner that buys that boat or if it's the, the seaworthiness of the boat, but but they're constantly in motion, and uh, they, they you know they're just such a beautiful boat. We really have enjoyed having them in the yard. Mm-hmm. Great, great. Now, what are some of the motor yachts that you've had in, and and what's the the scope of the work that's performed on them? Uh, some of the more some of the the motor yachts we've had recently, um, Bossy Boots and Intermarine, a composite boat. We had Ronin in here, which was a was a 200 foot uh, Lursen. We've got uh, a couple of classic fed ships in um, some 40 meter classic fed ships, Canoestern, older boats that are being restored like classic cars and, and have been maintained that way. Um, uh, those are just to name a few. We had Big Eagle in the yard not long ago where we did a generator replacement and main engine repower through a hole in the side of the boat. We did that work in five weeks. Uh, we've um, Those are the ones that come off uh, off the top of my head. And in the work scope that we are seeing lately, other than like an argin, a large engine repower, uh, especially on the Perini's, it's just because of the mileage. It's just normal, I'll call routine maintenance you're going to do every 20,000 sea miles, and that's shafts, propellers, and rudders, um, as well as uh, a lot of work on the rigs. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Now, you also have some pretty interesting plans for the future. Um, notably, there's a new yard I know you're looking to establish in Los Cabos in Mexico. Tell us about that a little bit more. You know, why that location, um, the the size of it, what kind of work is going to be performed, and and how it's either going to complement or uh, maybe do other things that Marine Group doesn't do at its current facility. Uh, Cabo San Lucas is a has always been a huge stopover for super yachts. It's the closest real large recreational port in Mexico to San Diego. Um, what we found is that there was a huge need for repair and refit in Cabo San Lucas as well as minor stopover. So we're about four months away from opening our new yard in Cabo. We're, we're excited as kids on Christmas morning about it. Um, it's uh, located just a little bit outside of town and in about 20 minutes drive outside of town in a brand new marina called Puertos Los Cabos, which was a man-made marina that's, that, that, that can handle uh, up to an 80-meter boat. It's a beautiful spot. Uh, the yard itself is going to be about 45,000 square feet and have 150-ton travel lift capacity and then floating dock capacity for vessels up to 50 meters. Uh, and the concept here is that uh, even a large yacht that we wouldn't normally haul out in Los Cabos, but maybe we hauled out in San Diego, they needed to get south and get guests aboard, 
this gave us another location we could maybe let the boat go to Cabo, do a quick trip with guests, bring the boat into our Cabo yard and finish up a few more odds and ends that they may have, um, give the, the passing through boat the ability to get mega yacht service uh, in Mexico. And what, we're, what we've done is all the buildings, all the structures, the travel lift is, is, is made in America, and we basically took the Marine Group San Diego, miniaturized it, and put it down in Cabo. So everybody speaks English. We use known mega yacht parts. We use known mega yacht vendors. We're going to flow labor back and forth between our two yards. So once you walk in our gates, it's effectively being back in the States. Mm-hmm. And the largest challenge you'll find for a super yacht, or any yacht, quite frankly, in Mexico, is that it's Mexico. And it's a different mentality. It's a slower pace. Parts availability is atrocious. We have our own truck that's going to run back and forth twice a week that's going to move parts back and forth. We know how to, we, we, we've got shipping agents that can have stuff there within one day. Um, we have a number of, of avenues to be able to move material back and forth and really supply. You know, if the boat comes in, they say, I like to use this specific fuel additive and nobody in Mexico has got it, no problem. We can get it or we have it in stock. Mm-hmm. So that's how we see the, you know, that's how we see the Mexico and San Diego yards working very well together. Okay, great. Now, what about facilities for the crew? Um, are you going to have on-site locations for them, or are you going to be doing more of a an assistance program to find them? You know, maybe if they're going to be staying in town for a while, would it be housing just off-site? Well, we're going to do exactly what we do here in San Diego. And what we have here at San Diego is we have an office complex for our visiting crews and captains that's isolated. Every boat gets an office, they get a computer, they get unlimited Internet access, unlimited uh, complimentary long distance and international calling. We have a concierge service that will handle all their arrangements from uh, a crew dinner out to somebody who wants to go to a sporting event, rental cars, things of that nature, and we're going to have the exact same setup in Cabo San Lucas. Okay, great. So it really is, like you said, a miniature marine group just down uh, south of the border. Even the buildings are the same color. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we literally went, I mean, our perimeter fencing is the same perimeter fencing we have at the yard here in San Diego. Um, literally everything is, is going to be the same. We want, we, we want the boat to feel very comfortable and say, you know what, I know I'm in Mexico. I know it's a little third world, but I'm willing to take on a few tasks here. I've got three weeks where the owners aren't aboard. This is a great time to jump in and do some work. And normally I would say I can't do the work because I'm in Mexico, but we're combining the bus to both areas. The boat doesn't have to get removed from the cruising area to have work done. Right, right, good point. You know, something else that you are actively involved in these days is the San Diego Super Yacht Association. Even though it's been around for a little over a year, I think some people still are not entirely aware of it. So why don't you explain a bit about why you felt it was important to join and, and what the overall goal is? Well, the San Diego Super Yacht Association is a wonderful organization. We were a founding member along with, uh, with a few other folks here in San Diego. And what, what we really have to sell is San Diego. And that's, that's what the Marine Group has to offer is San Diego. We're in, we're in probably the best place on the planet to go have work done. Our weather is incredible. Our services are incredible. Our vendor base is growing by the day. And it's very strong to start with because of the military influence here in San Diego. We have these parts and vendors here. Um, the crew loves to be in San Diego. If you're going to stop anywhere on the West Coast, this is the best place to stop. And what we found is that we were pushing real hard to bring boats to San Diego. Um, some of our fellow repair facilities in San Diego were doing that. 
the vendors were doing that. We all got together and said, guys, we need to, we need to channel our efforts and let the world know what San Diego has to offer. And that was effectively the birth of the Super Yacht Association. And, and we're very pleased to be a part of it. And we think it's going to be a terrific conduit for letting the world know what San Diego is, what we have to offer, uh, not only in terms of technical capa- capacity, but just general living. Uh, this is, uh, you know, our, our, our moorage is readily available in all parts of the bay. Um, we have them in tighter yacht spots. We have super yacht facilities in downtown, in the heart of downtown San Diego. We have uh, terrific restaurants and bars within walking distance of these facilities. And folks just don't know we're here. And uh, we need to let them know there's a great stop off on the West Coast in San Diego. You know, I think you've got a good lineup of of companies involved in it, too. I, I took a quick look at the website earlier just to see what the, the latest was, and it looks like there's about 30 members. So that's a that's a pretty big number for a regional group, if you will. You know, I think a lot of people assume that regional groups are just quite small, maybe a dozen members or less. But you've got, you know, besides Marine Group, there's naval architecture firms, there's provisioning firms. Um, supply companies, uh, even Port of San Diego is a member, and the U.S. Super Yacht Association is a supporting member, too. So it seems like there's a really nice, powerful, united group that you've got pulled together. We do. We, we've reached out to vendors of all size because it's all these little pieces that, that make the puzzle complete, and it's critical. I mean, we can have the greatest repair yard with 660-ton travel of capacity, but if we don't have good provisioning and we don't have good material suppliers, then we can't do our job, and we can't really service the yacht. Uh, you know, it's great that we could do the repair work, but if we can't put the groceries on when the owner arrives, then it's not such a good place to stop. So we worked right. really hard to bring everybody together to make sure that, that people know that San Diego clearly has the capacity to offer the full package. Good, great. Well, Todd, thanks so much for your time today, and thanks for giving us some insight, not just into the boatyard, but about what you're trying to do with San Diego and Mexico and, and really raise the profile among the super yacht industry. It's our pleasure, and anybody coming to San Diego, we, we invite you to a tour of our facility, and we look forward to seeing you in Los Cabos. Sounds good. Everyone, if you'd like to learn more about Marine Group Boatworks, you can visit their website, which is marinegroupboatworks.com, and you can also follow their latest news via Twitter, and their Twitter account is twitter.com slash marinegroupbw. Once again, this is Diane Byrne. Thanks so much for tuning in to Megayacht News Radio today. To learn more about the Mega Yacht Market, you can read my daily blog and see exclusive videos at www.megayachtnews.org.